And we're almost ready. I'll just be a minute or a second, not a minute. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, today is the third Friday of the month, which means it's time for The Doctor is In with Dr. Rotten Weiss, where he answers your questions. It really helps us if you send them in in advance so we can gauge our time and we actually respond back to your email telling you it's been answered. So that makes it easier if it doesn't get up a particular month because we have a back. Dr. Weiss is very, very popular. Don't let his outfit fool you. He's not his doctor outfit today, but I assure you he is an MD, a wonderful MD, and welcome him to the show. I've never seen you in civilian clothes. I know. Well, you know, I still have my scrubs on underneath, but because it's uh, it's getting cool here in New Jersey, I have my, my little I, uh, Patagonia. Got it. Oh, I, I have to see those too. They're great clothes. They okay. are. They're so warm. Yeah. It's fantastic. Usually I see you with a white coat, you know, the typical. Yes, I promise you next time you shall have the white coat. It is okay. It is. I wonder where that started. You know, the white coat. Do you, do you, did you learn that in medical school? Where, why doctors wear white coats? No, they didn't teach us, but I'm I'm sure it has something to do with uh, cleanliness, godliness. You know, there's something being clean, pure, healthy, you know, white, you know, all the sort of preconceptions. Right. I'm going to basically. When we get to the first question, I'm going to Google it and see if there's an answer. But first, I just want to ask you with Halloween almost upon us, I know you have children. Do you get trick-or-treaters? If so, what do you do? And how do your children celebrate Halloween? So my kids are now uh, 16 and 18 years old. So they're not. They're, they're, not, no they're, longer, not. they're out of that thing. But <laughs> this has always been a sore point, I've got to tell you. Um, you know, I grew up uh, across the street from a dentist. There was a dentist who lived directly across when I was growing up in New Jersey. And uh, every Halloween, the dentist would give out toothbrushes. And the next morning, you would see Jerome Place littered with hundreds of toothbrushes they were all over the street you know uh there were in those days there were even people who used to give apples you know uh, apples and stuff like that but you know those would also end up on the street um it's a it's a tough thing because um yeah uh, i you know we don't we don't uh, we don't give out any candy at our house to people, but it's a hard thing. I mean, it, it's such a fun holiday, and um, you know, unfortunately, you can't right uh, because of the social, the current social uh, times we live in. You can't make things that are homemade and give to people, right? Because their the mothers and parents will not allow these things to be eaten or consumed. So I don't know. What do you do, Chef? Well, I actually posted on Instagram yesterday. So I found, well, first of all, I usually do nothing. Most of my life, I lived in an apartment building that had like an interior. So it, you, nobody could get in. So we never had trick-or-treaters. When I lived in the desert, it was a 55 and over community. No trick-or-treaters. Now, 
it's all kids. So what I did is I went to Costco and I bought something called That's It Bars. They're the miniature size, two ingredients, apple and banana, apple and mango, apple and blueberry, 60 calories, no refined sugar. So I have those. And just in case it's too healthy for some of the kids, I got for less than $20, 120 packs of Pokemon cards that I'm told. Really? Kids. Yeah. Wow. So, so and, you know, and so I'm sorry, what was, it was called That's It Bars? Yeah. I, if you want, I can run and get it if you want. But then, they're delicious. Like I don't usually eat dried fruit too much, but like if I travel, I do. And I've had these for years. They're quite delicious. And these are the smaller size and they even come with the Halloween decor, if you like. And they weren't very expensive. Each one had 24 in them. And my feeling was if they're left over, we yeah. can eat them. And wow. so I I, and so then I also thought, well, you know, it might be too healthy. So I got the Pokemon cards because I told I'm told kids like those right. and there's 120 in there. So, you know, I spent about 50 bucks, but that's wow. okay. Yeah. Well, you will not have kids TP in your house this year. I hope so. So, so I think they'll like it. So this will be my first, this is my first Halloween. So yeah, that's, that's neat to that. Um, Good. Yeah. And some people like, you know, they criticized my post because I said, instead of giving your kids poison and people are saying, well, that creates eating disorders, you know, calling sugar poison. Yeah, what do you call it? You know, people don't like it when we call alcohol poison, you know, but I know. I you know, I can tell you that, you know, when the kids were younger, we used to because it's just I don't know, so complicated. They used to love to we would go. They would get all this stuff, this loot in their bag and we would line it up all on the floor they would count it they would survey it they would look at it put all the almond joys and then put all the kit kats whatever and then we would we would limit them as to what they could eat when they were living but you know it's yeah it's a tough thing it's really a bizarre holiday in a way you know the whole premise <laughs> but kids like I, I really appreciate much more so the Day of the Dead, the Mexican holiday Day of the Dead. That's a, a very beautiful, and, uh, perhaps, I mean, a, perhaps a replacement. Yeah. Anyway, so we have a lot of questions for you because you're very, yes. very popular. So let's start. I'm trying to get catch up with some of them for past few months. This one is from Cheryl. I'm an otherwise healthy 69-year-old SOS-free vegan since 2021. I developed an unprovoked DVT in my leg post-COVID three months later. I'm presently treated with Eliquist, five milligrams twice daily. Any thoughts diet-wise, fluid-wise that I should be doing or avoiding right now to aid in resolving this? By the way, I'm able to exercise regularly, which I do three times a week. Thank you. Hmm. Yes. Well, um, this is very interesting to me personally, because um, uh, as some of your listeners may know, I was, um, I had the dubious honor of seeing the first COVID patient of the state of New Jersey. Wow. On March 2nd, 2020, about two weeks after the first COVID patient was, or 10 days after first was diagnosed in New York. And, um, and then I was the first person um, who was quarantined by the state of New Jersey for that. I didn't end up getting it, but over the next year, during the whole of 2020, um, I, I was seeing, I had to close my practice here temporarily for three months because all health facilities were closed, outpatient was closed, but I was working in urgent care and I would see I, I, that year, I saw about 20,000 COVID patients, um, many of them dying or very sick, 
And I remember that there would be an, there was an, seemed to be an unusual uptake in the incidence of blood clots that I had never seen before. And I spoke to a, an ultrasonographer who worked in the hospital who I was seeing, and she confirmed that she said, oh, the number of blood clots that I'm diagnosing in the legs, DVTs has skyrocketed like two or three times that uh, uh, the usual incident. So, and it's been written about that COVID uh, has, has increased the number of thromboses or blood clots that, that have developed. Um, it, this lady who writes in doesn't seem to give you any you know, for the audience who's listening, there are specific risk factors to get a blood clot. Uh, those risk factors can be you inherited um, a propensity to get blood clots genetically because the, the, the complicated uh, blood clotting cascade in your bloodstream is off a little bit because of some genetic determinant. Um, you, or you can acquire a problem that interferes with your uh, chemically, that fear, uh, interferes with your clotting. Mm. Being obese and overweight can increase that. Taking birth control pills or birth uh, hormone birth control can increase your risk of getting a blood clot. Sitting for a long time and being sedentary, like on an airplane or a long drive can and previous risk of a blood clot formation in your legs, that leads to increased blood clot. So um, those are the standard reasons. It doesn't sound like this, this lady who writes in has any of those. So I'm guessing that it was primarily her major risk factor was in fact COVID. Uh, the good news for her is that, uh, and, and just before I continue, why is it bad to get a blood clot in your legs? Well, if you get a blood clot, it could break off and travel to your lungs. It's not that the blood clot in the legs is, is life-threatening. It's if the blood clot, a piece of it breaks off and swims downstream into your lungs, it, it can be lethal um, and very quickly lethal. So um, for that reason, we are concerned when we see people with blood clots in the legs. Um, so... Um, if the if this lady has no more other risk factors that are outstanding, I'm guessing that after maybe a period of time, maybe six months or a year, whatever, on the Eliquis, which is a, a blood thinning, modern blood thinning drug, she could get an opportunity to go off of it and just go back to her prior life. Um, uh, what I would advise her to do at this point is to make sure she's eating a high level diet of whole plant foods, because when you eat a high level of whole plant foods, like the kind you eat, Chef AJ, that means, you know, not just vegan or processed, you know, not processed vegan foods, which are low in nutritive value, but whole plant foods um, dedicate in a dedicated way, you get an, uh, the equivalent of an aspirin tablet floating around in your blood. And because plants and the, a diversity of plants has aspirin within it, within them. And then that aspirin uh, flows into your blood and helps uh, give you the same blood clotting power of taking an aspirin tablet. So I would do that. 
And uh, I would just make sure that um, she probably, uh, if she is going to uh, take a long drive or go on a flight, that you just take precautions, maybe do exercises, you know, uh, uh, calf raises and stuff like that. Walk around the cabin, get get uh, get out of your car frequently, uh, do runner stretches, those kinds of things, so you can avoid being sedentary for long times and trigger uh, triggering another blood clot. And that's it. Just go on your live your life and don't be afraid. Thank you. Well, that's that's amazing that you saw more patients just than just about anyone and never got it. That's fantastic. Well, I did get it. So oh, my did. story <laughs> is at the end on New Year's Eve of that year, I I got a vaccine. I got well, I was one of the first to get the COVID vaccine because you know I I didn't want to trend I didn't want to get it and then transmit it to my patients. And also my in-laws are elderly and very sick. I didn't want to bring home COVID to them. So I got the first vaccine. On the day I got the vaccine, I was also diagnosed with COVID. I started coming down with shaking chills. It, they happened at the same time. So my experience with the COVID was I, I collapsed. I was, I was so exhausted. I never had a fever. I never coughed. But I went to bed for three days. I couldn't wake up. And then I woke up and I was all. Well, thank, thank goodness you're yeah. well. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Weiss. This next question is from Joanne. Could you please talk about ulcerative colitis and what are the best foods to eat? I have active bleeding, proctitis, and lean towards constipation. So um, ulcerative colitis is a one of what's known as the inflammatory bowel diseases, ulcerative colitis, generally speaking with another disorder, which is called Crohn's disease, uh, are the two well-known inflammatory bowel diseases. And what happens in these, they are somewhat different, but they have, they share, uh, they share in the same, and sometimes we can see both of them in the same person, but they share, um, they, they share this uh, basis in that they are autoimmune diseases where your body has identified your colon lining as an enemy and the immune system then starts launching um, antibody attacks and, and immune attacks to destroy your colon lining, which is not a good thing. So um, that in ulcerative colitis, it's tip, typically, it, it, it results in, um, and this lady mentioned specifically proctitis, which means in the rectum, in the rectal area at the end of the colon. It results in a highly inflamed uh, lining of the um, colon with bleeding and diarrhea. It can be very painful. Um, it, and people can be very sick, really sick. It depends on the degree of severity of it. Um, uh, one of the other things that's known about the inflammatory bowel disease, including ulcerative colitis, is that um, it's an, if it continues on uh, after uh, years, you're, you're at much higher risk to get colon cancer as a result of having this disease. So it's in our best interest to not have it, and if we have it, to control it 
or to throw it into complete remission. These days, uh, there are the, the conventional treatment of the, of the inflammatory bowel diseases is with what are called biological agents. They're, they're immune drugs which suppresses the attack of our own immune system on cell. And we see these drugs, and some of them are used for multiple diseases. Uh, for example, Humira is a popular one, which was originally used for rheumatoid arthritis, but it can be used for ulcerative colitis and other diseases that are of an autoimmune nature. So, and they have other, other ones that are coming out all the time. But, uh, you know, the reason why, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about these kinds of drugs is because they, well, I don't favor to use drugs in the primary treatment of any chronic medical condition, and I favor lifestyle treatments. It's because when the patient dedicates herself to the lifestyle habits, they're more powerful than the drugs are, and also without the side effect. So these immunologic agents, they can they crush your immune system and they can prevent you from attacking COVID and protecting yourself from COVID and other uh, viruses and other infections, any kind of infection. Uh, they may increase your chance of getting um, neoplastic or cancerous diseases because they disable your immune system from engaging in defense. So because of those things, unless absolutely necessary, I prefer whole plant foods as the treatment for the inflammatory bowel diseases. And I have found in my practice that they are highly successful. Uh, I almost don't remember somebody with ulcerative colitis who didn't uh, resolve it or, or, or go into complete remission uh, who had a dedicated diet. So um, that's what I would recommend, a diet of whole plant foods uh, just remember, when I say a high level, it means without introducing processed vegan foods or animal foods at all. Because once you have an autoimmune disease like that, even if you're eating plants, 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 and then you have a muffin with egg in it, the egg may bring back the ulcerative colitis. So you really have to be careful about your diet. Thank you very much. This is from Susan. I'm 78 on a whole food plant exclusive diet. Other than vitamin B12, vitamin B12, are there any supplements for those that, that you recommend? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a popular question. Uh, so the B12 is very important for all people who are eating plants of any denomination or any arrangement, whether it be vegetarian, vegan, whole food, plant-based, plant-forward, you know, because, um, because plants really don't give us the B12 themselves. The B12 is manufactured by bacteria. And since we have uh, cleaned up and sanitized our uh, food system, we're not really, it's not really, our, the plants we eat aren't really contaminated with bacteria anymore. So the B12 is a necessary idea to prevent 
um, is a necessary um, supplement to prevent devastating potential neurologic conditions like a, an Alzheimer's like dementia, which would develop from a B12 deficiency in nerve damage. So always the B12. Mm. Vitamin D, there is a lot of controversy over. Um, there was a study, the last major study that came out regarding the benefits of vitamin D that I'm aware of was about two years ago. It was a, uh, funded by the National Institute of Health, I believe, thousands and thousands of people that studied to see whether taking vitamin D would help to prevent fractures as we got older, and it showed that it did not, vitamin D supplements. However, um, it, and I know, you know, if Dr. McDougall is listening, I know that Dr. Du McDougall doesn't recommend vitamin D supplements. He has said, you know, just let, uh, uh, let grandma go out on the porch and the sun shine. Um, and, and I do recommend that people get, you know, um, a, a small amount of sun every day. But the, the bottom line is in our practical modern life, most people are not compliant with it. And so without a supplement, I have found that most people will be deficient. And I, what I try to do at this point is pending further, def, more definitive research, I recommend that people take 2000 units a day of vitamin D supplement. And what I've recognized is for the average person, that leaves them with a, a blood vitamin D level of about 40, something like that. The normal range of vitamin D is 30 to 100. Um, so I would, I would recommend 2,000 units a day of vitamin D3. What else can we recommend? Uh, so uh, I routinely check long-chain omega fats on once a year on a person's blood test because there is, and we've, I think we've discussed this before in other conversations, there is uh, some compelling data that, that demonstrates that uh, having a certain level of these long chain omega fats as compared to omega sixes, which is another kind of, you know, hard to get fat, is important to maintain executive cognitive function to prevent our brains from atrophying, which means shrinking as we get older, and to help our memories. Um, so, um, yeah, I, um, I've noticed, uh, oddly enough, in that people who eat too many nuts or seeds that have large amounts of omega-6s in them, and a lot of them do, like peanuts and almonds and even some seeds, like sunflower seeds, that their omega levels can three can drop because uh, their long-chain omega-3s are not efficiently made because there are too many sixes around. It gets complicated. Suffice it to say that what I try to do is I, I will have a patient if the, uh, tell patients to eat flaxseed, two tablespoons every day ground, two tablespoons of chia seed also ground every day because those two uh, kinds of seeds are the highest source of short chain omega-3s. Short chain omega-3s 
are the raw material for your body to potentially make the long chain omega-3s that your brain needs to build itself uh, if there are not too many sixes around that are coming from other nuts and seeds. So in any event, I tell them to do that. Maybe depending on who you are uh, and what your you know other underlying situations are, maybe you have a, a, hand, a closed handful of walnuts, which is about one ounce. And then I, I leave it there and see if the if a person can get to the good level of a long chain omega-3s, which is roughly on the blood test, it's 5.5%. And if they do, good. If they don't, and no matter how hard they try, then I recommend that they take an omega-3 supplement. And that omega-3 supplement would be made out of green algae oil. And then I find that generally gets the person above five and a half percent. So the last thing is, is that, you know, our brains, uh, a, a significant amount of our brain, when you weigh them, their dry weight is made out of these long chain omega-3s. So we want to make sure that we have enough of them as we age. Um, the other thing is, as we get older, I talked about that there was this conversion reaction that takes the, the I just want to make it clear, when you eat the flax seeds and the chia, those are not the long chain omega-3s your brain needs. They're just, they're starting short chain omega-3s through this rickety system in your body. Your body has to take those short chain precursors and turn them into the long chains that your brain wants. And as we get older, we think that that process, it gets even more fragile and rickety. So, um, and I've heard Dr. Herman, I hope I'm not taking it, his name in, uh, <laughs> in vain, but I've heard him say that he suspects that perhaps even a quarter of us, in a quarter of the population, that reaction that's responsible for producing the, the ultimate you know, treasure chest of the long chain omega-3s is deficient. And we, we, no matter what we do, we really can't get there. So in any event, that's when I do recommend the long chain freeze. I hope that's clear. I know it was very long-winded, but I wanted <laughs> to describe why. Well, you know, it's funny, Dr. Weiss, because you're getting so popular that, that like, I don't know if you know Dr. Doug Lyle, he gets so many questions that what we need to do is I, I would jokingly said to him, well, why don't we do a dugathon, like a marathon, and you just answer him for three hours. And so we actually did to catch up on questions and, and charged a slight fee. I think we're going to have to do a ranathon. Okay. And if you do that, I would like to attend that uh, dugathon uh, thing. And, and if you pick me first with my question for him, I yeah. want him to tell me what's wrong with me. Yeah, well, well, you know, I can I can give you. The, I'm happy to show you the recording of it. It was quite a bit of fun, but I don't think there's anything wrong with you, actually. Okay. Um, anyway, thank you very much. So, oh, so then, uh, hold it a second. We're not done. Oh, so, okay. So, so we talked about the B12, the vitamin D. We talked about the omegas, the long chain omega threes, um, and then there's a there's this whole uh, other murky category of of um, sort of minerals. Some of them include things like zinc. Um, uh, I've noticed uh, iodine. Um, and uh, let's see, lately K2 has been popular. 
But what, what I do with the iodine is I do test people for iodine levels in their urine, which is the most accurate assessment that we can get of iodine. Why iodine? Well, because um, the thyroid gland, which controls the, the level of energy burning in your body and your metabolism, is dependent on iodine. And, and it's the only tissue in your body, Chef AJ, that uses iodine. Nothing else, there's no use for iodine other than the thyroid gland. Um, however, when we tell people not to eat more in salt and table salt, they're, they're missing out on an important source of iodine. Uh, and so basically uh, we have found that a, a significant portion of our patients, maybe about a third of them, actually have no detectable iodine levels in their urine when we check them. And so then what we do is we'll tell people to supplement either with a teaspoon of arame flakes or dulse, you know, the, the seaweed flakes, or uh, we'll tell them you can eat two sheets of nori every day, the, the seaweed. Or if they don't like these things, they can just take a, a drop of iodine on their tongue. The federal government recommends we have 150 micrograms of iodine every day. And I've noticed that when people do have that amount, that their iodine level goes becomes normal and detected. The last popular one is zinc. Um, not sure about the zinc. I mean, I... It's not clear to me that that it's posing, you know, that we need to take zinc supplements at this point. I mean, I think that by eating whole plant foods, for example, uh, the legumes like lentils have a lot of zinc. Uh, there's always a question just because they have the zinc and, and why do we need zinc? You know, zinc is used for a lot of things. It's thought that your immune system can be empowered by taking zinc. Um, and then the question is, even if you eat these lentils and these other foods that have zinc, just because you're taking in the zinc, are you absorbing the zinc? Who knows? But, um, you know, I, I think that um, at this point, I, I don't see the need to take extra zinc. Right. Thank you. All right. This next question is from Paul. I've been whole food plant-based for several years, no oil, no sugar, and my sodium is less than a thousand milligrams, excuse me. I still have an elevated blood I'm sorry, did you say it's less than a thousand? A thousand milligrams, his sodium. Oh, oh, you mean the amount that he ingests? Yeah, yeah, the amount that he, it sounds like the amount that he ingests. I still have an elevated BP, 130s to 140s, over 80 to 100, age 44, BMI 23. I exercise every day. I don't smoke or drink. Any thoughts on how to lower it? I already do flax seeds. Wait, can you just go over those stats a little slower? Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Of course. So um, 43 year, 44 years old, BMI 23, daily exerciser, no smoking, no alcohol. Flax seeds, sounds like daily. Uh, so, well, he's no oil, no sugar, and keeps the sodium less than 1,000 micrograms. The blood pressure, top number 130 to 140s, bottom number 80s to 100. Wow. Okay. Well, Dr. Goldhammer, are you out there? <laughs> he is, but he's probably not watching right now. So, I mean, it definitely sounds like uh, you're doing, does this gentleman give his name? 
Paul. Yeah. Paul, it sounds like you, I applaud you for doing everything right. It sounds like you're doing a fantastic job. Um, so we see this, I would say maybe every couple of weeks, we see a person who's whole food plant-based doing a great job, but yet can't get their blood pressure exactly down. I think not to the degree that Paul has. Paul, Paul, you still have hypertension actually by, by definition. Um, uh, so uh, I, I think, um, and, and hypertension that may need to be treated with medications, even despite you're on the, the plant-based diet, in order to determine that, uh, I would need to, we would need to get into the nitty gritty of your blood pressures to see exactly when they go up because you gave a range like 130 to 140 and 80 to 100. So for the, for the audience listening, hypertension, which probably overall, it is the most common chronic illness in the United States that requires medication. Um, I, I read I, a long time ago, I, I, it must be more than this now, but I, I read some data saying that it was affecting like 30 to 40% of all people over the age of 60 or 65. Um, but it may be even more now. Um, you know, uh, hyper, a normal blood pressure for those listening is defined as, the, you know, there are two blood pressure numbers, of course. There's an upper one, which is called the systolic, and a lower one, which is called the diastolic. And they're arranged like a fraction like 130 over 80. So for the systolic upper blood pressure to be normal, you need a blood pressure of less than 120. Between 120 and 129 is called free hypertension. 130 and more is called hypertension, but you don't need drug treatment for it. You need lifestyle treatment. And 140 or more gets medications. For the bottom number, um, Below 80 is a normal blood pressure for diastolic. Uh, between 80 and 89 is pre-hypertension. And 90 and above, you need blood pressure medicines. And Paul said sometimes it's 80 to 100. So that's why I'm giving these, uh, def these defining values. Um, so, you know, blood hypertension... Cheve, did you know they're actually even hypertension specialists? Do you know that a doctor can do a fellowship in hypertension, just in hypertension? Well, I don't exactly know that, but I do know, and I'm not a doctor, so I'm not giving medical advice, that twice I've had a gentleman on the show named Dr. C.E. Grimm, who worked for Walter Kempner, and he considers himself one of the world's leading experts in hypertension. And he said a couple of things that I remember. One is that pee doesn't lie. And two, that where there is no salt, there is no high blood pressure. So could Paul consider maybe doing a True North diet and just trying to exclude all Adam's sodium well, for a well, while? This is why I was calling Dr. Goldhammer because if what Saul, if what Paul is saying is correct, he really is doing a true north diet. Because if you calculate, so uh, based uh, just so our audience can understand what you're saying, Chef AJ, salt is a known. We know that sodium and salt uh, is a known provoker of hypertension and a cause of it. It's estimated that just because of salt, they're an extra 
50 some odd plus thousand people dying in the United States every year because of salt. That's it. And most of it is because of hypertension causing strokes and, and stuff like that. So, um, so if Chef AJ, we were to lock him into true north and, or your house, and if we were to feed Paul 1,800 calories or two, 1,800 to 2,000 calories of only whole plant foods that never touched a crystal of extraneous sodium chloride of salt, he would already be eating um, about an average of 800 milligrams of sodium because the sodium is in the, in the vegetables and in the grains, it's in the legumes, it's there. You can't take that away. Um, the uh, American College of Cardiology and the American Heart Association have recommended that uh, you know, most adults, all adults, I think, should have not more than 1,500 milligrams of sodium per day in their diet. Chef AG, that means if I gave Paul just like pickle, he'd be done, right? If he had all of this beautiful food with not a grain of salt and just had a pickle or a, a couple of a handful of olives, he would go over the 1500 milligram. So it doesn't take a lot. Um, that's why I'm thinking it's not really possible for Paul to work on reducing his sodium anymore, as long as what he's telling us is accurate, that he's really having value. So what else can we do with Paul? I know, a water fast. Yes. Because Dr. Goldhammer has published research that it's helped. And there's they're going to be doing another study with Kaiser Permanente, taking two groups of people, giving them one the standard yeah. treatment, which is yes. medication, and one yes. putting them on a water fast. Yes. So I've, you know, I've had discussions with Dr. Goldhammer. And out of all the conditions that people come to him for, and he's tens of thousands of people he's fasted, right? At True North. Um, he maintains that basically curing a person from hypertension with water fasting is a slam dunk after everything else has failed. So I, I would recommend that. The other thing I would recommend is it may be some refinements for Paul. Um, I think that, um, you know, 20, a body mass index of 23 is very nice, but it might not be optimal for him. And, and I have found in my practice that weight loss, and sometimes it's weight loss at the very end, can be a very powerful blood pressure lowerer, sometimes more powerful than blood pressure drugs. So a body mass index of 23 would allow Paul to lose maybe 10 pounds. And if he were to lose 10 pounds through uh, you know, some caloric restriction, um, he could have a body mass index of 21 or possibly even 20 if he wanted to lose 15 pounds. And the longest lived people in the world 
according to population studies, live with BMIs between 20 and 22. So it's not that Paul would be overweight with that amount. He would be perfect. I mean, at my fighting weight, my BMI is 20. Do you know what yours is, Chef Adrian? Yeah, it's 18.5. Should I try? Right. So like, you're very, you're very, very trim. I know, but should I gain weight then? Because it's, you said 20 well, to 20. Well, it, de it depends who you are. I mean, it depends. Um, I always, I always, uh, we're always on the lookout for when people, we don't want people to be too underweight because it could have a negative impact on bone density and muscle mass. Um, so those are those are some concerns. It depends who you are, but suffice it to say that definitely a body mass index of 20 is definitely not too low. So I would encourage Paul to maybe lose 10 to 15 pounds more. And then, and if that doesn't work, then Dr. Goldhammer is waiting. Dr. Goldhammer is waiting for him. That's yeah. funny. Ah, thank you. Okay. Oh, and by the way, make sure that he's, Paul, make sure you're eating. It sounds like you're eating flax seeds every day. I would, I, every because, day and the reason why he mentioned that, Chef AJ, right, is because flax seeds, uh, daily flax seeds have been shown to have as much blood pressure lowering power as uh, a leading blood pressure pill. So I think maybe eating, make sure you're eating two tablespoons ground every day of the flaxseed. There are, you know, red hibiscus tea has been shown to have a beneficial effect. You may want to try that, but if you do drink it through a straw so you don't erode the enamel on your teeth because it's very acidic, what else could you possibly do? Make sure that you're eating beets every day because beets are high in nitrate, which will then be turned into extra nitric oxide, which will, that's a very powerful blood pressure lower. So maybe eating a beet, like maybe eight ounces of beets every day and eat arugula every day because that even has more, um, more nitrate than beets. And that's it. Hmm, how about a salad with uh, arugula and beets? Could do worse. Yeah, nice. Okay, so here's a question from Carol. She says, my husband is on 10 milligrams of Crestor. Even though it is a small dose, he gets body aches with it. How much CoQ10 do you recommend people take while on a statin? See, I would say, why not get off the statin? Yeah. You and I think alike. <laughs> We're both Aries. So, I was just thinking. Yes, you know, we are. I'm thinking that's the wrong What's your birthday again? March 22nd. You're the 27th. 27th. Right? We're five yep. days apart. Yep, yep, yep. So first of all, I don't consider Crestor 10 milligrams as a small dose. A small dose would be five. 10 is like a medium dose. 20 is a sort of a hefty dose. And uh, yeah, I perhaps people who are Coming into my practice on statin agents like Crestor and people who are coming into my practice who want to try to avoid taking Crestor are probably the largest group of patients I have under one subject. And one of the reasons why is as the years go on, Chef AJ, 
there are more more reasons to take Crestor. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, our diets keep getting worse, right? We keep getting more obese. We keep eating more uh, of the sad diet. And so that increases our bad cholesterol. It causes more atherosclerosis. And so when that atherosclerosis is found or anticipated, you will end up on a statin as prescribed by your doctor. Um, one of the most scary things I noticed lately is that as a, as a mere screening test, conventional doctors and, and you know maybe not conventional doctors will send their patients for coronary calcium scores. Uh, for those of you who have never heard of that, that's a CAT scan test where you will go to a place and get a CAT scan to assess the load of calcium that's in your coronary arteries. And if you have, uh, you know, presence of a significant amount of calcium in your arteries, then the doctor will decide to put you on a statin agent for that. And these tests are becoming very popular just as screening without people even complaining of chest pain or any problem. Oh, my cholesterol is a little, I wonder what my calcium score will be. And then the rule now is, and it's been for a while, if a, if a patient has any sign of of atherosclerotic disease, in other words, a plaque buildup in any of their arteries, whether it be the carotid arteries going to the brain, the coronary arteries feeding the heart, the aorta, even the peripheral arteries in the leg that you go on a statin agent. So um, I think that I'm a big believer in getting to the cause of problems and addressing the cause. And if the cause of an elevated cholesterol is by eating processed foods and animal foods, proteins that have saturated fats, just get rid of them. Eat whole plant foods, and then you won't have a cholesterol problem anymore. That's it. Now, and you won't have to take Crestor anymore. Uh, now, what happens if, you know, Listen, the world is not a perfect place. Is it possible that you, in the, in a per, in, if you're so dedicated and you eat the whole plant food diet, would you maybe not get a normal cholesterol? Yeah, it's possible. I have some patients who have a familial, you know, cholesterol, genetic cholesterol problems or that have pretty elevated cholesterols and they will go down to just a mild elevation of bad cholesterol, but it doesn't mean you have to take a cholesterol agent like Crestor for that, as long as you're doing everything else right. As long as you are preventing the inflammatory process in the arteries, to me, that's what's important. So it doesn't really make sense to take a Crestor statin agent to lower the bad cholesterol when you have inflammation that, that remains unchecked in your arteries. That's more important to me. If I had to choose one of the two, I'd rather have the higher cholesterol and not have the inflammation. And you can get rid of both with a whole food plant-based diet. The last thing I wanted to say is, are there concerns? What, what, so what's the problem with taking a statin agent like Crestor? Well, 
You know, it's a relatively safe drug. I mean, as far as drugs are concerned, when I say relatively, you know, according to other kinds of drugs that kill people. Um, and drugs like that, like Crestor, have been shown for the average American kind of person who's eating hot dogs to, to extend their life. It, it does work. Um, and, and, and there is a lot of proof that it does uh, do help with the atherosclerotic process. But I'm sure not more than eating whole plant foods does. The problem is we don't really have head-to-head -head studies like that that are of any significance. Um, so the concerns are is that um, there is evidence that it could increase risk of developing diabetes by taking a, a, an agent like Crestor. You know, it's not large, but it is there. And so who would want diabetes? I wouldn't um, if I didn't have to get it. And whole plant foods would never give it, give that to that risk to you. The last thing I would say is there are, it may be more than anecdotal, but there are reports that at least in elderly people that statin agents can degrade memory um, for those who take them in some individuals. So um, that's my spiel on the statin. Well, wait, because wait, there's more before you go. There's another question on. It's interesting because that question was on somebody that wanted to ameliorate the side effects of a statin by taking something else. And this question from Lisa is kind of the opposite. She wants to know if it's dangerous to stop taking a statin as opposed to slowly decreasing it. She did stop her cold turkey because she didn't want to be on it due to all the side effects. And now that she's been doing some research, but her doctor thinks she has to take one forever. So she's thinking of finding a new doc. She says her total cholesterol is 135. Hopefully it will be better because now she's eating like me. He said she was put on the statin because the she total was- Total cholesterol is 135? Yeah, that's not terrible, right? That's very low. So yeah. what, but it doesn't matter what the total, well, I can already tell you, unless she has an HDL deficiency, a severe, her LDL is already really low. Right. Well, here she's saying she was put on the statin because she was T2. Does she mean, does that mean, is that an abbreviation for type 2 diabetes? Maybe because she says, I've gotten myself down to pre-T2 and I'm still going. The doctor took me off insulin, but wants me to stay on the statin. Well, they always you have to ask yourself, you have to ask yourself this. Did the doctor ever recommend that you eat whole plant foods? That's that's the question I always ask. If the doctor rec if the doctor understands what the power of whole plant foods is, and that generally in a given individual it's 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 more effective than taking a statin. Um, if he, the doctor has made that recommendation, first, and, and not just not just eat a better diet, not just eat a healthy diet. That's not good enough. Then I then I would have you know I think the doctor has more credence, but if the doctor has not told you to do that, in other words, the doctor is not a whole food plant based lifestyle medicine doctor. I would do I would I would uh, I would fix your diet first, and there's no danger in stopping uh, statin agent unless you have critical coronary artery disease or critical atherosclerotic disease in your coronary, in your carotid arteries. Like if you have really tight 
lesions that are being medically treated with these drugs, uh, maybe it's not such a good idea. But if you don't have critical problems, I don't see, I would encourage you to stop it and then, and then repeat it once you're in, in a month or two after having a really excellent diet. And if you have uh, an LDL, which is below 70, you've achieved your goal. You don't need it anymore. And you can go to any cardiologist, conventional, and they would tell you that. Nice. Do you have time for one more question? Of course. I like this one because it well because I've been trying I'm I'm going back all the way to May by the way for some of these questions so if you have three more hours we could probably catch up but I, I love the schedule that yeah no I'm kidding and well we should and we should charge for it like we did with Dr Lyle it was very minimal and people really enjoyed it um, we did it on a weekend so Jean I love the way she wrote this question for Dr Ron Weiss uh, she says do you agree that seniors require 50% more protein to maintain muscle mass, reduce sarcopenia, and keep up with our body's need for growth and repair? Submitted by a sarcopenic bloated senior gas factor. <laughs> oh, come on. You're not that bad. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. It's known that uh, older people do need more protein. What we try to do is we try to get them to a level of at least uh, 60 grams per day. Some of our patients, our senior citizens, get to between 70 and 90 grams per day. And we have found that that level, as long as it's over 60 and definitely over 70, that uh, it's doable. You can do it eating a whole plant diet. Spoiler alert, you'll have to eat a lot of legumes to, to get there. Um, but um, that combined with uh, loading exercises and the right kinds of exercises, we see, you know, I just had a lady in today who, in a, get this, Chef AJ, in 11 months, she's a senior citizen. She reduced her, she, for those of you who are familiar with osteoporosis, the test scores, she reduced uh, completely changed her category from osteoporosis to osteopenia, going from a T-score of a ne negative 2.7 to negative 2.1 in 11 months by eating 70 to 90 grams of protein a day um, and by doing hardcore six-day-a-week loading exercises come on that's only in 11 months and when she said she's afraid to take off her uh, shirt at the gym because people start saying you know ragging on her for being entering bodybuilding competitions her muscles are getting so big so to this dear lady who writes us it is possible go for that protein whole plant foods it's not necessary to take protein powders you don't have to do it right you don't have to do it you can get there and it's the loading exercise that's the end nice dr weiss you got to probably see patients i'm guessing yes we do we have a three o'clock yeah now well thank you so, I, you know i really appreciate it people don't realize you're like a busy working doctor and you're basically like take time on your lunch hour to do this so we appreciate well, my it. pleasure and for you chef aj 
Oh, oh my God, you're the I best. love you. Me too. No okay. wonder all of your audience loves you too. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Weiss. And thanks all of you for watching another episode. Please come back tomorrow at 11 a.m. Pacific time for Dr. Nandita Shah, all the way from India. She's going to be talking about how to say no to aches and pains and making paneer makari. Do you like Indian food? I love Indian food. Well, you know, we have Asha here. who yeah. is in, She has amazing Indian food. So, yes. Oh. Yeah, me yeah, too. I love it. It's because of all the spices. It's yeah. Amazing. You know, there's a delivery company now that makes SOS. I know. Oh, okay. You yeah. know about it. Good. Yes, we do. All right, great. Thanks, Dr. Weiss. Take care. Hope to see everyone tomorrow. Bye-bye.